Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is New York Times bestselling author, Crystal Payne. You may know her as the money-saving mom. We're talking a little bit about that, but we're also talking about her book, Love-Centered Parenting. She is a mom of four, and she has struggled with anxiety over parenting. She wanted to parent with grace instead of a system of rules where kids are expected to do all the right things. She wanted to be a safe place for her children, and she definitely didn't want to be remembered as the sort of mom who yelled, wounded her kids with words, or worse, cared more about her reputation than her kids' hearts. In this episode, Crystal shares her life-changing lessons that God has been teaching her about raising kids with love and grace. Can't wait for you to hear today's conversation with Crystal. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So the women listening may know you as the money-saving mom, but for those that don't, will you share your background to help us to get to know you better? Yes. So my husband and I have been married for over 18 years. We live in the Nashville, Tennessee area, and we have four biological children. They are 16, 13, 11, 11 months, and we are foster parents and currently have a little eight-month-old boy with medical complexities that we are fostering, and he's the sweetest. Um, And we fell into this this world that God has us in of um, full-time working from home, which I guess we say we kind of really were prepped for 2020 because um, starting in 2004, my husband was in law school and we were just really committed to stay out of debt while he went through law school. And I found out I was pregnant, which I was super excited about, but needed to find a way to earn an income from home to help us pay our bills. And so I stumbled upon this thing called blogging and started doing that along with a lot of other things and discovered that people were really interested in saving money. So um, over the course of time in 2007, started moneysavingmom.com and it grew into something far beyond what we could ever dream or imagine. 2014, my husband came home full-time and that's what we do. And I've also written a few books and my husband and I do a podcast called The Crystal Pain Show. Yeah. And so from the outside looking in, it looked like you had it all together, a happy family, a successful business, a vibrant faith and national bestselling books. But in one day, your world turned upside down. So would you take us back to that day? Yes. So if you had asked me seven years ago, would you ever write a book on parenting? I'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> that is the, That is the topic that I don't want to broach. But I never knew that four years ago, God was going to put me in this space where I just spiraled into rock bottom as a parent because um, it all started one day. My, um, one of my kids, we were, all the kids were in this, um, going to this small Christian school and my husband went to drop them off at school and the principal met him and said, I need to meet with you and your child and your wife after school. And we knew immediately that was not a good sign. He came home and we were just really racking our brain to think, what, like, what could this be? What is this about? And when we met with him, discovered that our child had done something that had broken the school's code of conduct, it was very serious. And that kind of just set this trajectory for this child of just spiraling out and to this place where they were having severe anxiety and depression and, um, I start the book Love Center Parenting with walking into the emergency room and saying my child's suicidal and just talking about what that is like. And my heart and my hope is really to help any parent who is just feeling 
overwhelmed with a situation or feeling alone um, to know that you are not alone and just to really share what God has taught me through that and how God has brought us through that. You know, I think even especially this past year, it seems, and even this, two friends of mine have reached out this week saying that their children have mentioned suicide. And it's, mm-hmm. it feels like it's even more prevalent than ever before. Or maybe people are comfortable talking about it. But even as a friend, I was thinking, I don't quite know exactly how to pray for you, but mm-hmm. it, it really is so prevalent. And I'm, and I'm so grateful that you have stepped out and are honest about it because I really believe it'll help so many. But during this season, you talked about how you you were at rock bottom and rightfully so. So how did God meet you in, in that place? You know, I remember being in that hospital and sitting in that hospital room and just feeling all sorts of feelings. Um, there were the feelings of failure, the feelings of shame, the feelings of mama bears saying, you know, I want to fix this. Um, the feelings of I don't know what to do. I feel just everything we tried and everything we're doing seems to be making things worse. And I don't know, there's no plan. There's no three-step process for how you help your child pull out of this pit. But I just remember feeling so also so loved by God and that he met me there. And I just knew I was not alone. And I think the beauty of, you know, at Christmas time, we talk about Emmanuel, but really thinking of God with us, what that truly means for him to be with us. And he has not left us by ourselves to do this life by ourselves. And so really looking back to see how he met me there in the emergency room, but he continued to walk with me over the next many days, weeks, months, and years, and to be faithful and to use this experience to kind of shake me and wake me up to realize how I was trying to parent in a way to micromanage and fix my kids. And I cared more about my reputation than I did about relationship with my kids. And so it was just a really profound season, even though it was so hard, God used it for so much good. So let's go a little bit deeper into this transformation of how you parented. So you started the shift from a results-based parenting, which I am guilty of, if I'm being honest, to more of a love-centered model for raising your kids. So how do we make this shift as well? For me, (laughs) yes, no, for me, it really started. So I would say that the, one of the pivotal moments was, um, we were able to get our child into therapy. And I remember telling the therapist the first, the first meeting that we have with the therapist, um, my child was not with us, it was just my husband and I, and just sitting on that couch and saying to her, if there's anything, anything that I can do to help my child. I want to help this child and I feel so powerless. And so if there's anything you uncover, please let me know. Well, a few weeks later, after multiple therapy sessions, um, therapist came to me and she said, I feel like you're trying so hard to fix your child. What would it look like to just walk with them instead? And it was really powerful for me because I needed that. I needed that outside perspective because I think so often as parents or just in any area of our life, we can get so kind of stuck in the weeds that we don't see the outside perspective of what we're actually doing. 
And I started paying attention to how I was parenting. And when my child, you know, any of them were acting out or they were fighting or they, you know, did something that I felt like wasn't appropriate or they were talking back to me or whatever, I would swoop in and try to correct them. There's nothing wrong. It's It's our job as parents to help shape and nurture our kids. But I spent so much time correcting and I was spending very little time connecting. I was just focused so much on fixing instead of just walking with my kids. And so I started to ask myself, why, where is this coming from? Why am I doing that? Why is that my knee jerk reaction to just try to fix? And it really was rooted in this approval idol that I have of that. I wanted other people's approval. I wanted to be a good mom because I wanted other people to think that I was a good mom. I wanted to be a good mom also because I wanted God's approval. Like I felt like I needed to make sure that I checked the boxes of this good mom figure that I had created in my mind of who I was supposed to be, because I thought that that would in, in essence, I would never say it like this, but truthfully at my heart, my core, it was to earn God's approval. And I started asking, well, why, where's that coming from? And just recognizing that I had these lies that I had believed for years and lived under, and they had, you know, you believe a lie for long enough, it becomes your truth. And so they had not only just been lies that I believed, but they had become labels that I wore and that I led with and that I lived under. And so if I would walk into a situation, I would lead with this lie of, I am not doing a good enough job. Everyone else is doing better than me. I am a failure. I am a disappointment to people closest to me. And so when you lead with that, that is going to color everything. It's like glasses that you're wearing that you are seeing through that lens. And so as I was, you know, just recognizing this and paying attention to that negative narrative that was in my head that I had let just you know, the tapes just on the loop of you're failing as a mom, you're a disappointment, you know, you are failing your kids. And I would just let that in my head. And I would started holding it up to scripture and realizing that's not what the word of God says. That's not what God says about me. And so it was really this process for me of recognizing the lies but then also not just recognizing them because we could recognize the lies and then kind of sit there and be like, I can't believe that I am such a failure that all I believe is that I'm a failure. You know, like we can just kind of sit in that muck, but we need to then replace the lies with truth. And so it was just really this two-year process for me of calling out the lies. So if I would think a lot of times in the morning, I'm getting ready and I, you know, my bathroom mirror and I would just, you know, some lie would go through my head. And instead of just camping in that and letting that kind of spiral out into all these different things to say, no, that's a lie. I would literally say it out loud. And then what is the truth? So if the lie was, you know, you're failing as a mom, the truth is God has given me these kids and he loves them even more than I do. And he is going to equip me to be the parent that they need. And I can trust him and I can rest in him. And he does not call me a failure because he sees me when he looks at me, I'm covered in the blood and he sees me as Jesus and he loves me and he sees me as beautiful and redeemed and forgiven and chosen. 
And so to camp on that truth and to continue to allow that truth to be the negative, I'm sorry, that truth to be the narrative that just was playing in my head. And so every time the lie came in, call it as a lie, replace it with the truth, call it as a lie, replace it with the truth. And so you're just recognizing, replacing, recognizing, replacing. And it takes a long time because you're real, you're literally rewiring the pathways of your brain. And that's what scripture calls renewing your mind. But the more that you do it, the more that it becomes your natural tendency to believe the truth and live out of that truth. And then that truth ultimately has completely changed my life. Yeah. And I, th I think that that segues really, because all those lies that we are believing lends itself to just this anxiety and this fear and all these worries as, as mothers. And so, you know, I think some of the things that we worry about is messing up our kids or stressing out about their future. So is, is, do you have anything else other than the renewing of your mind, like that you have been able to find peace from these worries? Well, one of the things that was really interesting. So when I was writing Love Centered Parenting, I actually asked on Instagram, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. And I asked on there for people to fill in the blank. My job as a parent is to blank. It was fascinating because I would say that 98 to 99% of the responses that I got were things that we ultimately don't have any control over. So the majority of the responses were things like, my job as a parent is to raise kids who are successful in life and who go to heaven someday. Okay, not a bad ambition as a parent, mm -hmm. but we don't ultimately have control over that. Like we can't save our kids. We can model for them. You know, we can set a great example for them. We can nurture them. We can teach them. We can walk with them. We can train them. We can talk to them, but we can't save them. We can't make them successful in life. But if we feel like our job as a parent is to make our kids successful and to make sure they go to heaven, then our job for performance is constantly on the line. And so if we look at the root of where these worries are coming from, a lot of times it's because we've taken on something that God never called us to bear because we feel like it's our job to be our kids' savior and Holy Spirit. And so we're carrying around this weight and this heavy burden. So when our child makes a mistake, when they act out, when they talk back, we go back to, oh my goodness, I am failing as a parent. What have I done wrong? There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? My child's struggling in this area. I wonder if there's something that I can do or tweak or change. But when we instantly go back to like, I'm a failure because my child made a mistake, we're carrying something that God hasn't called us to carry. And so I would really challenge people if you feel those worries and that psychoanalyzing coming is, especially I think late at night, we can lay in bed and we can psychoanalyze. I mean, silly things like, did my child brush their teeth enough today? You know, I mean, I've done that. Um, but you know, the big things and the little things we can psychoanalyze, like, am I feeding them the right kinds of foods? Are they getting enough sleep? Are they, you know, do I need to hire a tutor for them? Do I need to have them be doing things more academics? Oh, I think they're not, you know, doing enough socially. I wonder if they have anxiety. I wonder, you know, and we could just go into all these crazy places and not sleep because we're not resting in the Lord. We're not trusting him. We feel like it's all up to us. It's all on us. We're carrying the weight of something that only Jesus can actually do. And so that I just challenge you to ask, where is this coming from? 
And then go below the surface to why. Not only what am I feeling and where is it coming from, but why? What is at the root of this stress or this anxiety or this psychoanalyzing? You know, and is it performance based? Is it based on me trying to do something that is not my job in the first place? And what would it look like to just lay that down, let that go, to open up your hands and say, God, this is out of my control. And I want to trust you that you love my child more than I do. And I can trust you to be sovereign in this situation. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, God as our heavenly father and how he loves us. I mean, that's how he parents us. And he doesn't expect us to do anything to earn that love. He's not tracking our gold stars and, you know, keeping a tour chart and all the things. And, and then just trying to transfer that, model over to how we are um, loving our children. And so you've actually identified four main choices that we can make as parents. So what are those choices? You don't have to mention all four, but. Yes, I'm happy to mention all four because I really think, you know, the deal is, is that when I stop to say, okay, if my job as a parent isn't these things, then what is my job as a parent? And I, I kind of don't even like the word job. And so I landed on choices because these are things that we do have control over. We do have control over how we walk with and how we respond to our child. And so um, a big portion of the book is just really unpacking these. And that is to lean in and love, to listen well, to lead with humility, and ultimately to let go. And when we focus on that, those are, those are things that are not dependent upon our child's choices, upon their behavior, upon how they turn out, upon you know decisions that they make as they get older. It's just about us and how we are walking with our kids. Those are all really, really good. And I can't wait to listen to the playback so I can write those down and I'll <laughs> put those in the show notes as well. Well, so, you know, there's one thing, because sometimes we'll say, I really love you, but I don't necessarily like what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. So speak to the mother who, because sometimes we can get frustrated and even irritated with our kids. We don't always like what they're doing or how they're acting. So I don't know, what is, do you have any encouragement for a mother listening that might be feeling that way? Yes. So first off, I think it goes back to what we talked about at the root, you know, really digging into the root. And one thing I just recently did um, this five days to yell less and love more. I did this kind of online class with women. And one thing that I challenged them to do is to just pay attention for 24 hours to what you're getting frustrated at with your kids and just start analyzing why. So your child is messing up the living room. Why is that causing you to be frustrated? Okay, yes, your child messed up the living room, but what's underneath that? Is that because you feel like you have a right to have a clean house? Is that because you're frustrated because you expected that your child would obey you? You know, where is, is it coming from? And so really digging into that. And a lot of times I find that at the root of our frustration is selfishness and pride. Like we expect our child to be perfect. And when they're not, we're just like, oh, I can't believe, you know, like what's your problem? And yet let's talk about us. Are we perfect? Here we are yelling at our kids for not being perfect. Hello. Um, but then also that pride of thinking that, you know, we want to have this 
you know, we want to have good kids. And so analyzing that, but then I would also say in the moment. So let's say you walk in and your child has made this colossal mess and you just had everything clean and you work hard, worked hard to clean. Um, instead of just instantly going to preaching a sermon and telling them why, you know, you need to be a helper and this is not helping. And this is, you know, we're just jumping to trying to fix, stop, take a breath. And I really challenge you in the book. I talk about flare prayers. We don't have a, a lot of times a chance to get on our knees and pray for 30 minutes, but to shoot up a flare prayer, God, help me in this moment, help me to lean in and love my child. Help me to listen well. Help me to leave with humility. Help me to let go. And maybe we just stick with the lean in and love part because I think that that's something that can really just help us that we walk into that. Then yes, we need to address something there, but walking in with a posture of leaning in and loving, walking in with that heart to let God's love flow through us to our child. And it's going to really probably drastically impact the way that we're going to interact with our child when we're coming at it from that perspective of we want to lean in and love them. And we want to lead them and point them to Jesus instead of just trying to shut down this behavior, shame them and fix it. Yeah, because if we're being honest, that's how we want to be treated too. You know, if mm-hmm. I spill a, my coffee, I don't want to be like, oh, I can't believe you spilled the coffee, you know, mm-hmm. which is, I've caught myself doing that, you know? So um, yes, I think that is so, so good. And so let's go back to, I have a middle schooler and an elementary school daughter. And so communication is becoming a little bit even more complicated because they want to be with their friends. My little boy, well, he's not so little anymore, but he is, you know, not as vocal and wanting to share as much. So that's one of the keys to keeping that, that line of communication open. So do you have any recommendations for helping our kids want to talk to us? Well, I think it goes back to just what you talked about, how, you know, if you make a mistake, how do you want someone to walk with you? And if, so let's say you spill something, you know, if your friend was with you and all of a sudden she's like, I cannot believe that you're spilling things. You need to be more careful in the future. Why don't you just, you know, and she's giving you this whole like plan for how you're not going to do that in the future. Instead of her saying, let me help you clean that up. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that you did that. And I'm, I'm sure that that was frustrating or whatever that it just, it's a completely different paradigm shift in how we either were fixing or we're walking with. And if someone is trying to fix us, we're probably going to push back and not really want them to be someone that we're close with and spending a lot of time with and sharing with them because we're constantly going to feel like we're not doing enough. We're not measuring up and they're just going to critique us. So I think, what does it look like to walk with our kids? And one of the biggest things I think is to, you know, have that posture of leaning and unloving, but then also stepping into their world and caring about what they care about, because that really speaks to them. I love you. And I'm interested in what you're interested in. And I want to know more about what you want to know more about. Even if it's something that you really don't have any interest in at all because your child is interested in it for you to be interested in it as well. Um, so my son, he's 11, almost 12, and he's really into baseball cards right now. Excuse me. He would say sports cards. Every time I say baseball cards, he's like, no mom, there's football cards too. So it's sports cards. Um, I'm learning. I'm learning. 
but so stepping into his world and caring about that. And so we watch YouTube videos of these guys unboxing these cards. And, you know, to me, I'm like, this is just kind of weird, but he's so into it. And so listening and learning and asking him questions and saying, okay, explain to me why he said that. And what does that mean? And why is that card really important? And why did he get excited about that? And, and asking for him to share with me, then it just encourages him to want to continue to come and share with me. And so all the time he's telling me, mom, I saw this and such and such and so-and-so. And, and so I keep trying to ask questions and care about what he cares about. And I'm learning so much. And the other cool thing is, so I'm very much entrepreneurial. Well, he has started selling his cards on eBay. And so then it's like, it crosses over into my world and I get to really enjoy this thing with him. And because I've learned about sports cards, then I can understand more as he's selling them and what's working and all of that. And so just really thinking about what is your child interested in? What gets them excited? What are they passionate about? What do they do in their free time? And how can you go step into their world. Maybe it's, you know, you have a son who really loves video games. And so I know a lot of moms are like, I don't care about that. Well, what would it look like for you to just go sit in the same room and, and ask questions and have them explain or say, Hey, I'd like to learn how to do this. And you can laugh because you'll probably be really bad at it, but you actually might really enjoy it. Or you have a child who really is artistic. Um, my 13 year old, she's super artistic. And I'm just not, I'm, I'm a word, like an, a word artist. I don't do creative things with my hands, but doing things with her and having her teach me and, you know, going shopping to buy the supplies and everything that just speaks life and love to her. And so just looking for those opportunities. And I, I found that the most communication often happens when you're in side by side sort of situations versus, you know, saying, let's go on a date and you sit across from them and you're like grilling them on things. That's not really going to encourage them to open up. But when you step into their world and care about what they care about, sometimes in, you know, when we're working on that craft project together or whatever, it's that that's when all of a sudden she'll just spill her heart out about things. And I'm like, just because I stepped into her world, it made her feel safe and want to then talk to me about things. That is really, really good advice. And I have found the same thing. I've, I've played the video games right alongside my little boy um, and I color right alongside my little girl. So that's, uh, that's proven true for me as well. Well, so now that you have uncovered this new way of parenting, how has your home dynamics changed? It has changed so much. Um, first off, the child who was really struggling um, is basically a completely different child. And like we, my husband and I all the time, we're just like, we don't even recognize this child from where they were four years ago. And that whole entire year of thinking, I don't know. I don't know if they're ever going to be able to kind of lead a normal life and have friendships and be able to just do normal things because they were in such a bad place. And so I'm really grateful to the Lord. But I think the biggest thing is that I have so much more peace because I'm not trying so hard to micromanage and overprotect and bubble wrap and make everything look right. 
um, and caring about what other people think, but just more focused on walking with my kids. And I'm not doing it perfectly. And there are moments when I shift back to, you know, something happens just last week, there was something that happened and I instantly kind of felt that tension rising in my heart um, over that situation. And I realized that's a warning sign. It's a warning sign to me when I start to feel that tension and that shortness of breath and that worry rising up that I'm not resting in the Lord and I'm not giving this over to the Lord and I'm trying to control this situation. And so stopping right then and just saying, God, help me, help me. I'm scared about this situation. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Would you please help me. And I want to give this over to you and I'm going to trust you with it. And sometimes I have to do that a few different times, just really letting it go and giving it over to him. But for the most part, just being able to parent from this space of just so much more rest and freedom and joy, because I know how much I am loved by God and I can live out of that love to my kids. And then that sets the tone for our home of much more calmness and kindness. And when I am loving my kids and responding in love, it just kind of diffuses and deescalates so much more. And so there's just a lot more joy in our home and a lot more deepness of relationship. And we just have a lot more fun together also. Yeah. It makes me think about like, if we let God parent us, we will then be better parents Mm -hmm. as well. And so for the woman who is listening, who possibly just wants to give up, she is just kind of at her wit's end, for lack of a better word. How would you encourage her today? I just want to remind you that God is with you. You are not alone. You are not forsaken. And I just shared this on Instagram. And for some reason, I just feel like I'm supposed to share this today with your audience. Um, So we struggled with secondary infertility for there's, there's an um, 11 years. So my son is 11 and my daughter is 11 months. And we struggled with for 10 years for an entire decade. We, we hoped and prayed and cried and, you know, just like there was so much devastating grief over not being able to have another child. And we had done all the infertility testing and um, it came back then that there was no way medically possible that we were going to have another child. And um, it was in that space that God was so faithful to just remind me of the truth that I can trust him in this, even when it's really hard. And um, it was also in that space that God opened up our heart to fostering. And so we got to foster a sweet little boy last year for eight months. Then he got to be reunited with his mama. And it was just this beautiful story of redemption and God used it in our hearts so much. And now we're fostering this sweet little boy, another sweet little boy. And on Saturday of last week, um, we got to have, we were babysitting for the little boy that we had fostered last year. And so we had all three babies um, together and we took this picture, my husband and I sitting on this couch with these three babies. And it was just this beautiful picture of that for those 10 years when it felt like, you know, God, what's going on? Like, this was not what I ever envisioned. Why, why I don't, this doesn't make sense. But I look back and I see how God was preparing our heart. And I said this on Instagram this morning, there, those two boys would not have been on our laps. What was it not for those 10 years? And so I just want to encourage the woman who's listening right now who's feeling like you just want to give up hope 
and it feels like you've been praying and praying and nothing's happening. You don't know what God is doing in the silence. I look back to four years ago when I was in that emergency room and I didn't know that in that hard, hard place where it felt like everything was falling apart, that God was going to meet me there. And he was going to use that to completely shift the way that I approach parenting and to completely shift our home and ultimately give me the opportunity to get to share this message with thousands and thousands of families. I couldn't see that then. And you can't see what God is doing right now, but I just want to remind you that don't give up hope. He's not done yet. And God writes the best stories. That is such a beautiful encouragement. And you're right. It can help so many just have to keep, keep trusting him. So based on today's conversation, how do you think we can best be love offerings as mothers? I would just encourage every woman listening that you get to be a conduit And I love the word love offering. Um, That's not a phrase that I use a lot, but I use the word conduit of just seeing myself as like this vessel for God's love to just pour through me to other people. And I don't have anything to give if I'm not filling myself up with him to be able to pour out to others. And so fill yourself up with the love of Jesus, by reminding yourself of the truth, by not letting those lies take up residence in your heart and in your head, but just remembering and reminding yourself over and over and over again of the truth. I talk about cramming so much truth in that there's not space for lies. And then when someone bumps into you, what's going to slosh out is the love of God. And so being a love offering by just opening your hands up and saying, God, love through me. Let your love pour through me to my kids in my home and to everyone that I meet. And it's just this beautiful thing when you know, it's not you, it's God and it's God through you. And you get to share a little bit of Jesus with every single person that you come in contact with. So I know, Crystal, that everyone is going to want to stay in contact with you and listen to your podcast and and purchase your book. So how can we best do that? I would love for you to follow me on Instagram. I said earlier, I'm the money saving mom on Instagram, and it's my favorite place to hang out on Instagram stories. I'm very, very active there. Share lots of behind the scenes and just encouragement for your day, plus lots of baby pictures because that's where I'm at in my life right now. And then also my husband and I have a podcast, The Crystal Payne Show. And if you love deals and frugal living encouragement, um, moneysavingmom.com is my site. And the book is available wherever books are sold. Although I don't know when this is going to air, but it's currently sold out pretty much all the places and we're waiting for the second printing, but it is available on Amazon right now. Wow. Well, what a blessing. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. I just so appreciate all your wisdom and encouragement to love, be love-centered in our parenting and in everything we do in every relationship. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Crystal Payne. We hope that through this episode, you too can shift from the results-based parenting to a love-centered model of raising your kids or your grandkids. This week, our love offering is to be a conduit of God's love. We are to let His love pour through us to other people. Crystal says that I don't have anything to give unless I'm filling myself up with Him, that we should cram so much truth in that there is no space for the lies, and that then when 
someone bumps into you, God's love is what spills out. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams Author on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also connect with me over on Pinterest by searching for The Love Offering with Rachel Adams. I'd also love to connect with you over on the Love Offering Facebook community. There each week, we just dive in deeper to each podcast episode into the blog series that releases every Thursday. And we just encourage one another to live faithfully and love fully. If you are interested in all of this information, you can find it all at rachelkadams.com. Just subscribe to receive the weekly love offering newsletter and it'll come every week straight to your inbox. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the Love Offering podcast, I'd so appreciate if you would take the time to do that just so you can um, encourage other people to find this Love Offering message. Next week, my guest is Karen Kingsbury. If you are a Christian fiction reader, you've probably read the work of Karen Kingsbury. She is a number one New York Times bestselling author, and she's on the show sharing her own life journey as a journalist, novelist, wife, mother, and philanthropist. You know, hearing her story and having an inside peek into her career as a writer was so faith building. And if I had admired her before, I admired her even more now after having this conversation. Friend, you too have a beautiful story that God is writing for your life. And we pray that after next week's episode that you recognize his hand, trust his plan and live on mission for him. You don't want to miss being a part of his life changing story. But until next week, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.